There are uh, empty seats here today that normally are filled, and you know those people who are not here. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First of all, find a way to minister to them. If you want to, go ahead and send them a text right now if you have that information. And if you can't do it right now, do it after you get home. Send them a card or a note or make a phone call and let everybody know that we miss them being here today. And then secondly, I'm going to ask you to pray for them and to pray for their health and pray for their well-being and just ask God to bless us. And you know, if we all would do that, every need would be covered, wouldn't it? We trust that the Holy Spirit will bring people to mind and that we'll actually be able to touch their lives and help them and minister to them whatever they are going through. And uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. So take a couple of moments and uh, shoot them a quick text and then have a word of prayer for them. And then I'll lead us uh, very shortly, okay? Let's go ahead and do that now. Ministry time. Father, as we get ready for your word now, we want to thank you for this time that we can pray. And thank you that we don't have to go through a, a man, a priest, because we are priests. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to burn something or sacrifice something because Christ has already made the sacrifice that really matters, the ultimate sacrifice. But not only is it the ultimate sacrifice, it's the once for all everlasting sacrifice. And that blood that cleanses us and allows us to come into your presence, that same power that tore the veil separating the holy of holies from everyone else, thank you, Lord, that it is sufficient for all eternity, for wherever we may be right now. And uh, thank you, Lord, that it will not lose its power when we've been in heaven 10 million years. And we uh, just want to praise the Lamb of glory who died for us like we just sang about. And Father, we want to thank you that you hear us today. And we thank you that you care. You not only hear, but you care. You're not only a great God, but you're a good God, as the little kids pray. And it's so true. And we want to pray for ourselves. And if we have health today, we ask you to keep it that way, Lord, by your grace. And for those who don't have health today, we're asking you by that same grace and power for you to raise them up, restore them, strengthen them, and bring them back. And by the way, thank you for those that are already back with us. We don't want to discount that at all. And Lord, we want to pray for people as they go through various storms and various trials. And I thank you, Lord, that you care as much about someone who is grieving as you do someone who lost a job, someone with a financial need. Lord, I thank you that as you walk with us through life, when we walk through the valleys and the pitfalls and the trials and go through the storms of life, thank you that you are indeed 
always with us because you never leave us or forsake us. And I thank you that with your presence is always your power. And there's somebody here today that you need to draw on the power of the Lord even now. And Father, I pray that they would hear that, understand that, and they would do that. And thank you, Father, that one of these days we'll be in heaven. And when we're in heaven, we'll talk about hard times, but not in a way that will be depressing, in a way that will glorify your name, in a way that will encourage other people and break out into an eternal worship service. I thank you for that, Lord. And in the meantime, bless us. And in the meantime, speak to us through your word. And in the meantime, give us the grace to act upon what we know to be true. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, take your Bibles this morning and do not turn to Exodus. Okay, turn to the book of Acts. And we're going to look at a fairly large portion of scripture today and um, go to Acts chapter 20 and uh, the apostle Paul has been um, well when he went back to Jerusalem and uh, the Jews got all stirred up because of Paul's ministry to the Gentiles remember that and then somebody came and said well he's brought Gentiles into the temple well he didn't but he had been seen earlier in the day with a Gentile. And so uh, you know how rumors are. People assumed it was true. And so there's a mob that erupted. And uh, then Paul asserted his rights as a Roman citizen and appealed to Caesar. So now he's on his way to Rome to have a trial, uh, a Roman trial for all of this. And so um, he comes to Ephesus. And when he is at Ephesus and the boat is docked there, apparently Paul had some degree of freedom as a prisoner there and, uh, and as a Roman citizen. And so he calls for the Ephesian elders to come and meet with him. And then he has a, a chance to talk with them. And this is uh, a passage of scripture, by the way, that uh, for our elders, I'll perk up your ears. This is very serious stuff. And for any of you who think, you know, I'd kind of like to be an elder someday, you better rethink that and only do it by the call of God because it's serious business to be an elder of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it also spoke to me as I read it about Paul's relationship with these men and with this church. And I thought about what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, okay, let that sink in. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity. Opportunity, they say, only knocks once. Well, that's not always true, thankfully, but... There is always, we know, a limited window of opportunity. Uh, if you are uh, looking at the economy and you're looking at buying gold, uh, you probably should have bought it several months ago when it was low. 
But what happens is the price starts going up. Mary goes, oh, I've got to buy gold. The guy on the radio says I need gold. And then we buy high. And what happens? Then we're left holding it later on when the price is low going, what did I do this for? Well, if you're going to speculate in something like that, real estate or anything, you know what the cardinal rule is. Not buy high and sell low, but buy low and sell high. So this is a time to be selling, not buying, right? We uh, think about other things, opportunities. I've heard older people in my life tell me stories. If only I had, and they'll tell you about taking a certain job that they turned down, should have taken it. That was my opportunity. Look where I'd be now. My family is from uh, northwest Arkansas. You know what's also located in northwest Arkansas? Walmart. I had relatives that knew Sam Walton. I had relatives that knew him, and not in a real personal way, but they knew him, when he had a dime store in the downtown square of Bentonville. They could have bought Walmart stock for somewhere around a dollar. wonder what that would be worth now. But it's too late. Opportunity's gone by. And I think about... How Paul says here, as you have the opportunity. And let me just say, by way of introduction, God does not hold you accountable for that which he does not give you opportunity. So opportunity and accountability, those two things go together. But if there is no opportunity, there is no accountability. And so there are some things that God is doing and God wants people to do, but I don't have the opportunity to do that, so... I'm off the hook except to pray and except to support those who do. But that's not my thing. It's somebody else's. But there are tons of things that come my way. What about an opportunity to witness? Have you ever missed an opportunity to witness? I have. I've had times where I thought uh, I met somebody and talked with them quite a while and walked away feeling like, well, that's a nice person. That was encouraging. And then thought... I didn't even attempt. It didn't even enter my mind to witness at that point. Well, that's an opportunity that's probably gone because in many situations, that's a person I'll never see again. Sometimes God does give you a second or a third opportunity to go back to somebody and praise his name for that. But sometimes you just get one. I wasn't here last week because I'd been uh, exposed to COVID and uh, wanted to just have an abundance of caution, but I was here the week before. And the week before, Brother Steve was sitting over here, and after church, I got to talk with him. And uh, I'm glad I took the opportunity to do that. I wish I had opportunity to do it again, but I don't. The opportunity is gone. And if you ever thought about Brother Steve and said, you know, I'd like to write him a note, well, Captain Obvious here, the opportunity is gone. If you're thinking, I'd like to have lunch with him, the opportunity is gone. And what I'm saying is, there's a limited opportunity, and we don't know when those opportunities are going to be gone. You may be sitting by someone today that the next time you see them will be in heaven. And you've always intended, boy, I need to do this, and someday we're going to have to do this. Aren't we good at all of that? We're going to have to have lunch together. We're going to have to get together again. And we make no plan to do it. Which means we don't really mean it all that much. 
But when the opportunity's gone, when they pass on, or you may be the next one to pass on, opportunities are gone. And what I like about this particular passage in, uh, in Acts is that there was an opportunity, and Paul seized the opportunity. Now, we could take this passage and preach for months on it because there's so much in here, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to look at it from the perspective of Paul and relationships. This was obviously an important relationship to him. And so it wasn't the kind of thing that he could be in town. Have you ever maybe looked on Facebook and found out that a friend of yours was in town and they didn't even call? You know, it kind of ticks you off sometimes and hurts your feelings. And, uh, you know, why didn't they at least call or contact me? Well, Paul didn't do that. In fact, as we read through this, let's get ready to read verse 17. And I'm going to ask you to uh, think about the word initiative. Initiative. Paul took the initiative in this situation. Verse 17 says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. He didn't wait for them to be moved by the Spirit to call on him. They didn't know. They didn't know he was in town. They didn't know his circumstances. He didn't wait for them, and I'm being facetious here, of course, to look on Paul's Instagram account and see where he was, or his Facebook account and see where he was. They had no way of knowing. And so they couldn't minister to Paul or fellowship with Paul unless somebody took the initiative. And the only person who could take the initiative was... Paul. And so Paul calls for them. And you know, there are a lot of people today, they are lonely, they are heartsick, they need fellowship, they want fellowship, but they won't ever even so much as call or text somebody. They want all of it to come to them. That ministers to our pride. I had someone back when I was doing music, I said to them, hey, whenever you find a song that you like and you work on it and you're ready to sing it, let me know. And they go, oh, no, just about like that. I would never ask to sing. Why, you think that makes you humble? You think that makes you spiritual? What am I supposed to do? Just be in my office on a Thursday and all of a sudden this name and song comes to mind? I don't know if you have anything unless you tell me. And all I was doing was not saying, come in here like you were some big shot with a song to sing. No, I'm the guy in charge of all of that. But you got to let me know. Take the initiative to make sure I know that. And by the way, do that for Brother Dale. Let him know if you want to sing or you feel led to sing or you've got a song you want to sing. And he may tell you, no, you're no good. Right? I always liked uh, when Simon Cowell was on American Idol and somebody would get up there and sing and they would come to him and everybody held their breath and he goes, you've been told all your life you knew how to sing. Nobody had the guts to tell you you weren't any good. They didn't do you any favors. And uh, it was like a funny kind of stuff. But tell him. But even more than that, more applicable to this, you've got friends like I do that you haven't been in contact with for years, I got in touch with a friend of mine through Facebook the other day that I literally have not talked to in decades, and we were best friends in high school. He is dying of ALS. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to reestablish contact with him, I better do it when? Now. 
Because the opportunity is shrinking every day. Every day. Every day. That's one thing. But when I think about how Steve Elkins was looking forward to heart surgery because it was going to make him better. And he was so excited about feeling better. Had no idea about what else was going to happen. Had no idea. He was looking forward to that. And we expected him to get well and to continue on. He's the elder that oversees our deacons. He's the elder that ministers and uh, does the widow's luncheon. He's the elder that when Miss Terry died a few years ago, he took his pain and turned it into ministry. Good example for you. And grief share was started. I mean, teaching a Sunday school class. All of those kind of things. It leads, leaves a hole. And like I said, about 20 years ago, when uh, Jack Hanna passed away, great men of God leave big holes, but they leave clear footprints. Well, Brother Steve has done the same thing. And so as we need to fill those things, if there's any input that you have, we certainly would love to hear it, and we also really do need your prayers. But here's the thing that, that spoke to me out of this scripture Paul didn't wait sitting around going, well, if they really cared, they would minister to me. That is never, ever the tone of Scripture, and it never reflects the attitude of the Christian life. Never, ever. Pick up the phone and give them a call. Take the initiative in these kind of situations because it might be the last opportunity that you have, and I don't want you to die or go through the rest of your life with regrets. I should have. I could have. Why didn't I? Don't do that. Take the initiative. Don't wait for them. You take the initiative. Well, what if they turn me down? Then call somebody else and keep on going because you'll find somebody who needs your ministry and they need your friendship and they need your time. And some people get upset because the right people didn't respond to me. Well, then they weren't the right people. You need to find somebody else. There's somebody that you can take your pain and your loneliness and your emptiness and minister to someone else. And as you give, you will receive. Now, secondly, I want you to write down or think about the word consistency. One of the things that wrecks and ruins relationships is inconsistency. Somebody that's on fire for Jesus this month and then the next month they're you know, drunk in the bar or something like that. That kind of messes up a relationship, doesn't it? Doesn't have to be that drastic or that extreme. But we've all known those people we used to worship with and now they don't go to church anymore and we don't understand why and they won't talk about it. That messes up relationships. As much as we would like to think that it doesn't, let's be honest, it does. And in some cases should. Look at verse 18. Paul said, and when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house 
testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God <coughs> and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of theological and doctrinal implications in there, and uh, they're very important. But here's what struck me out of that. Just the consistency. Whether Paul was talking to friends or foe, whether he was talking to people that were for him and in his corner, or talking to people that hated him and wanted to kill him, what happened? It was the same. Same attitude, same message. Why? Because he was doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, you've observed this, Ephesian elders. And so walk in it as a pattern, consistency. You know I'm not a fly-by-night guy. You know that I'm not in this for the money. You know that I'm not just a huckster or a trickster in all of this. You know I'm not a hypocrite. That was the basis for their friendship and for their relationship. Paul could be trusted. And I would encourage you to be the kind of friend that is honorable. And even if your friend strays, don't you be the one that strays and uses that as an excuse. Don't let your hurt, your pain, or your loneliness by their failure become your failure. Because our failure is never God's failure and God is with you and he has promised never to leave you or forsake you. you say, well, I'm so alone right now. Well, apparently, in the eyes and the plan and purposes of sovereign God, it's necessary for you to be alone right now. So embrace it and start thanking God for it and acting like you have a God who cares and a God who is powerful enough to change that anytime it pleases him to do so. And understand that during that time, he's got a purpose for you. Well, I've been betrayed. You think Jesus can't identify with that? Well, I've been abandoned by other people. You think your Lord can't identify with that? And more importantly, do you think he doesn't care about that? Of course he does. He's the compassionate high priest after all. And understand, he's also the one who can change all of that. Here's the key. Whatever others may do, you be consistent. Though none go with me, still I will follow. That's got to be the motto of our life. And then thirdly, the word honesty comes to mind. I'm afraid today that in a lot of friendships, in a lot of marriages, in a lot of parenting, in a lot of work relationships and others, we don't really have much influence or power because we never really take the time to be honest. We're actually afraid to be honest. I'm afraid that if I tell people the real things in my life, that they might not think as highly of me, they might reject me. But it also is, if I am honest with them, if I'm honest with them, I mean, what do you say when someone said, does this dress make me look fat? What do you say? No, the dress is fine, it's your hips, <laughs> right? That'll get you in some trouble, right? Well, if we can't even do it on that most basic level, have you ever noticed how hard it is to be real honest with people that you're supposed to love? And yet you find in the Apostle Paul, just blunt honesty. Look at verse 22. And see how I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city 
saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me or stop me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Mm. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now notice in there, there's some degree of honesty as well as vulnerability. I don't know what's going to happen. You, the great apostle Paul, don't know? No, I don't know. All I know is that everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit makes sure that I know I'm walking into trouble. He didn't know the circumstances. He didn't know the wind. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but just that it was going to happen. Can I ask you, if God revealed to you, follow me, but when you follow me, you're going to be walking into a buzzsaw, would you still go? Would you try to find a shortcut? Would you try to find another way? Not Paul. And that statement in there convicts me every time I read it. None of these things move me. What does it take to move you? What does it take to take you off target? What does it take to get you to where you're no longer serving God? What's it take? COVID? What's it take? A job loss? What's it take? A disappointment? What's it take? A divorce? What's it take? A rebellious child? I mean, what, what does it take? Ill health? And we can be moved off of the path of God and following the footprints of Christ so very easily. You know, we talk a lot about warfare and things like that. I'm convinced most of us are such easy marks that the devil doesn't really take his warfare against us very seriously because just a buck private will do it. Just a change in circumstances will do it. And we can go from riding high to falling and hitting the depths of despair just about like that. So I'm thinking about what Paul was saying to them. I lived an honest life. It wasn't hypocritical. And I gave you honest speech. I held back nothing that was profitable to you. Now, let me just hasten to say, you don't have to say everything that comes into your mind. Please don't. But you don't have to lie and cover up either when it would be profitable for someone else. And I love it because Paul said, I told you the truth. And I told other people the truth. And you watched me. And you heard me when it was in public or when it was in the churches from house to house. I didn't butter up people. I didn't lie to people. I didn't play to the crowd or what they wanted. I just simply told the truth. And even from you, you know, elders, I didn't hold anything back that would help you. And I want to ask you to think about that. And uh, sometimes we hold back things that might be a big help to other people, and we wait till after the fact. And if you've ever been the recipient of an attack or a problem or something like that, there's nothing more discouraging than to have that friend or family member say, well, I saw that coming. Well, why didn't you warn me? 
Why didn't you tell me anything about that? And a lot of times it's because we're not anywhere near as honest as we would like to think that we are. And so Paul had a relationship that was built with them and with this church that was built on brutal honesty. I did not hesitate to declare to you the whole counsel of God, the helpful and also the hurtful. Because sometimes God has to hurt us before we're willing to be, to be helped. Number four, I want you to notice Paul was not afraid to give a warning to these people. He says in verse 28, Therefore, and um, elders particularly pay attention to this, Therefore take heed to yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The word overseers there sometimes is translated bishop, interestingly enough. It means to lead, to oversee, to watch over. It's interchangeable with the word pastor and the word bishop. Um, and uh, all of those are used simultaneously in other parts of the scripture. But that's an important word, an overseer, an episkopoi. To shepherd, that's the word for pastor, appointment, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. In other words, don't trifle with what Jesus paid for with his life. He takes that seriously. Verse 29. For I know this, and this is chilling, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Among the church? Yeah. But he's addressing the elders. And he's saying savage wolves will come in among you elders. And what are they going to be like? Well, they're not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, the last two words strike me as something we need to pay attention to. You know, it's easy to be high and mighty, self-righteous. I know more than you do. I see things coming and all of that. But we do it with such a lack of compassion that we crush other people. That with tears. How long has it been since you wept over somebody else? Not a circumstance. Not what happened to you. That's fine. But you wept over somebody else's condition. You wept over their grief. You wept over their financial downturn. You wept over their rebellious children. You wept over their loneliness. Or maybe even something else. How long has it been since you wept over their soul? Do you ever have compassion for lost people? Well, notice here that when Paul talks about he's standing up as this big New Testament apostle, prophetic type person, I warned you. Not like that, is it? With tears. With tears. Tears give you credibility because they show you care. Don't ever be ashamed of your tears. Sometimes we have people from time to time that will give a testimony or do something or read a scripture or share a devotion and they break down. They go, I'm so sorry for my tears. Quit apologizing for tears unless they're fake. But if they're real, 
You just have credibility. You just connected with all of us. You just showed us that you cared. God, give us tears. Tears are a language God understands, the old song says. The warning. Do you care enough about your friends to warn them and lose them if necessary? And most of us don't get that deep and we don't go that far, but not the Apostle Paul. Which brings me to another point here, and that's the word benefit. Why did Paul do all of this? For personal gain? No, he didn't get anything out of it. He says in verse 32, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. He provided for the whole group with his tent making, didn't he? Verse 35. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this whole passage drips with Paul saying, I did this for the Lord and for you. And I gave. And I worked when I could have asked or demanded that you pay my salary. I didn't because you weren't able to do that yet. And I did everything that I do, all of my prayers, all of my teaching, all of my time, everything that went on, I did that, and I did that for you. And some friendships and relationships fall apart because we cross over the line of loving that person and doing what we do for them over to doing it for ourselves. And I really vent it out to you, not because it would benefit you, not because you needed to be told, no, did it for myself. Made me feel big. Made me feel powerful. It made me feel like I was something more than I really am. And I could brag about it and tell stories about it. And then make you look small. Throw you under the bus, so to speak. Paul didn't have a bone in his body that was like that. Everything he did, even the rough stuff that he did. And he got tough sometimes. But he did it not only with compassion, as we saw earlier... But he did it for their benefit. What kind of a marriage would you have if a husband and a wife are both trying to outdo each other with kindness and ministry and service? What kind of a friendship would you have if everything you did, you did for the benefit of the other person and you really didn't care whether it was reciprocated because you found your joy in just simply doing it for them and giving it to them and being for them what they needed. It's the way Paul lived. Number six, the word expression comes down. The Bible says in verse 36, And when he had said those things, these things, he knelt down and prayed. You know what he was doing there? Expressing his love and concern for them. You don't really show anybody any love any more than when you pray for them, do you? Well, notice how they responded. He prayed with them all, and then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck. They were hugging him. 
and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more. What if I had known the last time I saw my friend of 41 years that it would be the last time that I saw him? Would it make any difference? What if the last word to your husband was a word of nagging and a word of complaining? What if the last word to your wife was a word of condemnation, a word of hurt, a word of pain? Well, we can always make it right. Have you been listening? Opportunities shrink and they end. What if that friend that has done so much good for you, I mean, you know how humans are. We're geared to sort of forget about the good stuff that people do. But boy, we don't forget insults. We don't forget the bad things that they do for us. And they really have a hard time making up for all of that because we always remember, well, you know what they really are like. You know what they really... Did I ever tell you about the time what they did for me? And we destroy other people. That's something that ought not be there. Anything we do, even if it is a hard thing, it shouldn't be for us. It shouldn't be because we needed to vent. That's a big word now. I just need to vent. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, and you're a fool. And yeah, you can take that as a rebuke. A fool vents all of his feelings. Don't do that. Because you're doing that for self. That's the most selfish thing I can ever think of. What you do for your friends, you do for their benefit like Paul did. And you express what you feel in a tangible way. Do you see that? You express what you feel in a tangible way. And these people wanted Paul to know, we love you. We're going to miss you. And we're grieving over what is being taken for us. It was the will of God. Okay? It was the will of God. But it still hurts. The will of God sometimes is painful. The will of God doesn't always mean you get everything you want. The will of God takes you like Paul into some dangerous territory sometime. And these Ephesian elders were weeping because they would see his face no more. So they recognized how beneficial, listen to this, how beneficial Paul was. What a big hole he was going to leave. They probably felt inadequate to try to fill in his shoes. Well, you can't. That's what you got to leave to Jesus. That's what you've got to trust the Lord for. If he takes someone significant like Paul from you, then you've got to trust him to provide. He, after all, is the Lord of the church, the shepherd of the church, the king of the church, and he is also the builder of the church. And so when we think about that, don't hold back your expressions of love. Don't be afraid to tell somebody that you love them, that you appreciate them. Don't let a time go by when you probably should have said thank you, but you didn't. Don't let any time go by where you should minister to them or serve them or bless them. Express your love for other people. That's so incredibly important. Then the last thing, the word presence. And they accompanied him to the ship. They accompanied him to the ship. 
to the ship. They didn't leave him to go on his own. They walked with him. Did it change his circumstances? No. But they were with him. And Paul had the joy and the pleasure of knowing that they had some people that had his back. He had some people who had his back. Sometimes your presence, I have people say to me all the time, well, I would go see them, but I wouldn't know what to say. Then don't say anything. Just be there. Just show up. Your presence really does matter. And so when you think about somebody going through a trial and you think, I ought to bake a pie for them and take it to their house. Do it. Do it. And hand it to them. And tell them, I love you. And this is just a pie that probably won't last long, especially if it's terrible. But my love lasts for a long time. And my prayer lasts for a long time. And my concern. And here's my cell number. Call me anytime you need anything. Text me anytime you need anything. And that'll go a long, long way. Think about all the things you could do for someone who visits our church to express to them tangibly that we love them and we're glad that they came. But as you do that, don't forget the people who have sat by your side in the church or led you or taught you for 20-some years or 30 years for some of you. They sometimes get overlooked for the new people. We're so excited the new people are here. Do you ever express that to the old people that have always been here for you? It ought to be expressed. Now, I promise I am going to end. I thought about all of those points. And the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, came to my mind. Because Jesus is the one that took the initiative in saving us. Have you forgotten about the doctrine of election? Have you forgotten about what he did for you on the cross before you were ever born? I also thought about the fact that Jesus is constant and unchanging. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thought about Jesus and how he's honest about us and about redemption. He doesn't hesitate to convict us of sin when we need to repent, does he? And he's also honest about redemption. There are not many ways to God. There's only one way. And he said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, not even you, comes to the Father except the, through me. I thought about Jesus and how he warns us about sin and about coming judgment. And Jesus spoke more about hell in the Gospels than he did heaven. He warned about the unquenchable fires of hell, didn't he? Jesus came and died and arose and ascended for us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to think about. So Jesus expresses his love. He said, greater love has no man than this, that one should lay down his life for a friend. And then he not only told us, he did it. He did it for us. It says in Romans 8, 16, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Why? We need that. And Jesus gives us his presence, the gift of his presence. I am with you always, Matthew 28, 20 says. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what do I say? If you haven't trusted Christ, 
trust Him today as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, if you're a Christian, act like Jesus in your relationships. Do unto others as you would have Jesus do unto you. Let's put it that way. Because sometimes we hold grudges and we withdraw, but we're so thankful that Jesus never leaves us. Well, then be like Him. As much as it depends on you, you can only go so far. Be at peace with all men. And thirdly, if you want one, you're going to have to be one. Reach out to people who don't reach out to you. Because they may not be mean, they may just be shy. They may be introverted. And you may be the one that breaks the shell. And through your friendship, they become useful in the hands of God. I was one of those people. And people like my friend Steve and many others brought me out of my shell or I never could have done what I've been doing for all of these years. Friendship matters. Relationship matters. And there's a way to do it and to do it right. And Paul has given us a good example. But even more so, Christ has shown us how it's done. And do good to all men while you have what? What was that? Opportunity. Father, as we close this time, I pray for people who don't know you to put their trust and faith into Christ. Christ alone for salvation. And I pray for believers today. Sometimes we who have such a right relationship with God have such a lousy relationship with others. And we hide behind that and we point at them and say, well, they didn't reach out to me, which is not the point. Sometimes we look and we feel like other people have abandoned us and yet there's five people may have truly abandoned us and then we abandon 50 because we just want to sit back like a baby and not do anything with it. Oh, Father, forgive us and help us and let us walk in the footsteps of Paul who walked in the footsteps of Jesus so that others may walk in our footsteps and likewise follow Christ. Give us joy, give us love, give us peace, and build our fellowship and our relationships within it. Not to the exclusion of other people, but that others might feel welcomed. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>